for all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's episode of Property on Fire. So what do we have coming up on today's episode? As I'm still in Florida, for another few days anyway, I thought today we'd have a little bit of planning geek, a little bit of travel geek, a little bit of leading homes. We're talking a little bit about gurus and a bit of hype. Let's see what else we can pack into the next 30 minutes or so. Without further ado, let's get started. But before we do, please do like, review and subscribe to this podcast and come with me on this property journey. This week I'm going to actually start with a question and this question was raised on my Planning Geek community but it is also a question which I am sent on a fairly regular basis either in planninggeek.co.uk or via the various chat groups and what have you that I'm a member of and the question is surrounding article four and i've probably covered this before on property on fire but i think it's worth covering again because there is a fair bit of confusion out there as to what you are restricted to on an article four now for those of you who have been around hmos for quite a while you'll probably know the answer but if you're not involved in hmos then it can be a little bit confusing and the question that was raised on the planning Geek community was do you need planning permission for an outbuilding if you are in an article 4 area maybe or maybe not which I suppose is sort of beating around the bush a little bit but the reason I say that is that you need to work out what the article 4 is restricting okay so it's called article 4 because it happens to be the fourth article in the general permitted development order 2015 as amended now that article actually states that a local authority can remove permitted development rights for a building it could be an individual house it could be an area it could be anything at all to be honest and it will remove certain permitted development rights now with regards to the question about outbuildings that is actually covered it's a permitted development right within class e of part one of the gpdo the article four could say for example that class e is blocked in that particular area now if that was to be blocked then obviously you could not have an outbuilding the more common use for an article four as you may be aware of, is for HMOs, houses of multiple occupancy. In local authorities, obviously, they wish to restrict these, so they'll bring in an Article 4 area. For example, Bristol has two very large Article 4 areas blocking Class L of Part 3, going from a C3 to a C4, i.e. from residential home to an HMO. But what I'm trying to say here is that it is critical that you have a look on the local authority website for any Article 4s on any property that you are looking at. That might be your own home. It could be an investment you're looking at. Whatever it might be, just have a look. Do a search for Article 4 with the local authority. What I tend to do is put into Google, I put Article 4, then the name of the local authority, probably in quotes, something like that, so that I can search easily their website. So what I'm actually looking for is Article 4 lists 
on their website. They may have a map, which is very useful, but more often they are broken down into areas. Now, you will need a little bit of local knowledge, to be quite frank, if the Article 4 on the website says something like St Anne's and you're not familiar with the area of St Anne's, you need to do a little bit of research and work back with some mapping service to actually establish where St Anne's is. It may well be roads are listed on the website and if they are, that is great. But you need to determine as to whether your property is affected by an Article 4. Now, if you found that an Article 4 does exist, then go into the local authority website on that Article 4 and find out what it restricts. So, for example, it may be an HMO, as we discussed, or it could be something like in a conservation area, it may be something like hedges. It could be something like walls. It, well, it could be anything, to be quite frank. It really could be absolutely anything. So do not be afraid of an Article 4. Do not think oh, I can't do anything at all under permitted development, the chances are you can do the vast majority. You are only going to be restricted to one or two things at the very most. If you are just going to put an outbuilding in, whether that be a garden shed or home office or something, highly unlikely, highly unlikely to be blocked by an Article 4. I'm not aware of any, to be honest, that block stuff being developed under PD in rear gardens. After all, at the end of the day, you know, in the conservation area, you can still put up outbuildings and extensions and things like this under permitted development. So just check it out, please. Go and check your local authority website. And it's a useful exercise on any property you own. Just go and have a look and see if anything is blocked because... To be honest, an Article 4 may well have come out, especially if you've got a, a, a buy-to-let, something like that, that you've had for a number of years. You may not be aware that an Article 4 has actually come into an existence. Now, if your local authority is planning an Article 4, then they are supposed to publicise this wildly. You know, it's supposed to be well documented. It will take up to about a year for an Article 4 to come into place. If that happens... It is critical, critical, you actually bring into use that outbuilding, you bring into use that HMO, you just bring that forth before the Article 4 comes into place. Whatever you do, do not let that date lapse, okay? So if it comes in on the 1st of September, make sure come the end of August that you've actually got that in place and in use. As I've mentioned before on this podcast, I have people coming to me when Article 4 has been brought into place, into action for HMOs, and they've been busy renovating their HMO, making it all look very smart, and all of a sudden they find that the Article 4 has come in and they can no longer operate that HMO legally because they have not had their third tenant in place. Okay, so it is critical that you just make sure that you are aware of Article 4s, but do not be afraid of them. And as I say, chance of an Article 4 for an, an outbuilding, extremely rare, but it could happen. I doubt it. I hope that helps, but just clarifies with Article 4s. But if you need any help on that further, or you need help trying to find out whether your local authority does have an Article 4, then please do feel free to reach out, and I'll do what I can to help. 
As I said at the top of the show, I'm still in Florida. You may think it's a beautiful, warm place all year round. Well, as I'm recording this, we are just above freezing. Um, Although the sun is out, we have a blue sky. But it is a little bit chilly, to say the least. Although the shorts are still on, but whether they'll stay on all day, I'm not so sure. But yes, it does get a little bit nippy here at times, and it's not always bathed in sunshine. And most of the time, but not all the time. Anyway, what I wanted to say today was I'm getting a lot of inquiries as to how people can enjoy travel at not an awful lot of cost. And although this is not a travel podcast, I am fully aware that a lot of property people enjoy traveling. So wherever you are listening from, almost anywhere in the world, a lot of what I'm going to say could well apply to you. So the way that we travel is we will often fly using points. We'll stay in hotels using points. So for example, at the moment, we are in the Hilton Garden Inn in Apopka. It's not too far from Orlando. And typically here, you will have nightly rates of around about $200 to $300 per night, which can add up. Now, if you're spending a few nights here, as we are, we're here for five nights, that can add seriously to the budget. And by the time you add in breakfast, perhaps evening meals and stuff like that, it can be quite a chunky amount of money. However, the cost to us this week is likely to be around about zero. And the reason for that is for those five nights, we are staying here on Hilton Points. So we are actually using 30,000 Hilton Points per night. If you have some form of status, so if you have a membership with Hilton, with their Hilton Honours, the fifth night is actually free when you're doing on points. So actually what we're actually paying for is four nights on points. The fifth night is free. We are not running up a bill of two to $300 a night for our accommodation. Now, because we are Diamond members of Hilton, because we've stayed here quite a few nights in various hotels, it means that we also get a breakfast allowance. Now, unfortunately, in the US now, they no longer give you free breakfast, which is a bit of a pain, to be honest. It's not as good. For example, you get $10 a night, and that will give you pretty much a full breakfast in the morning so you know this morning i i had a very nice omelette with some toast and everything like that and it probably worked out about a dollar so probably about eleven dollars all in it's hardly going to break the bank too much but by getting those points now i get those points via multiple ways okay so i will get points by staying at hotels so when i'm speaking around the uk on planning or property or development quite often i will need to stay in hotels now that is an expense that will come out of the business and so i'm staying there i'm paying cash for those uh, all the company is and then you know i stay those and i get points as a reward for staying there now quite often hotels will have double points uh, they'll have periods where you can earn double points And so these soon start racking up. You'll be amazed as to how quickly you can actually rack up points, either by hotels or airlines or anything else. Now, 
The other big tip I will give anybody traveling is I always advise booking direct with hotels. Yes, you can book via hotels.com and Travelocity or whoever they might be. You can actually book via those various portals. Sometimes that might be the better option. However, if you're actually looking for anything in return from that hotel, so any loyalty benefits, anything like that, always book direct okay now the other reason for that is that the hotel is paying commission to these portals so whether it be hotels.com or whoever it is that hotel is paying a hefty commission to that portal plus if anything goes wrong the hotel simply has to say i'm sorry you will need to go back to whoever you booked it through we can't help you there and the reason is because your contract is not with the hotel your contract is with hotels.com or whoever you want to use so therefore when anything goes wrong the hotel just has to say well i'm sorry we'll do our best but especially when it's a booking muck up or anything like that or where something's gone wrong they have to pass you back and i have lost count how many times i have been in hotel receptions waiting to check in and there's somebody else standing there with a problem and they have booked via a portal and the hotel says well i'm sorry there's not a lot awful lot we can do we can't refund that we have no powers to refund that you have to go back to whoever you booked it through you know whereas i will then say you know i'll check in or whatever and if i have a problem or if they've mucked up or if they have a if they perhaps have a 100% guarantee, if something goes wrong, quite often in hotels, they'll say, we're going to wipe the charge for that night. They can't do that if you're booked via a portal. So always book direct if you can, and always join the loyalty scheme of that hotel, airline, whoever it might be. Because even if you do not earn a great benefit from that hotel, you may only stay once or twice. Quite often those members of that scheme will get certain benefits free of charge that could be as simple as an offer of breakfast it could be a faster internet it could even be free internet believe it or not there are still hotels out there that will charge for the internet we're in 2023 and yet there are still hotels that charge for basic internet however by joining the loyalty scheme you then get free internet it is worth doing i hold memberships on probably I don't know, dozen, 15 different hotels. And some of them, I've stayed there once. You know, each of those, I've probably got something out of it. Now, the only time I will go back and use a portal is probably on a hotel that does not have a chain behind it or doesn't have some sort of scheme that I can use. And then I will then look at perhaps booking via a third party. I try and avoid it unless it's necessary. Um, and sometimes it is necessary with some of the smaller ones they don't take bookings direct and they just want them over these portals so if you can go direct then go direct because there are an awful lot benefits I made a post on my Facebook and Instagram feeds a few days ago I posted about these prime drinks that you may well be familiar with we are currently as I say we're currently in the US and these prime drinks are freely available go into any supermarket any grocery store and the shelves are stocked with these drinks they are freely available quite often they're even on offer over here and yet in the uk there is a big hype 
over these prime drinks. Now, I'm not going to say that I understand why, but it is hype. It is a hype that people just see a influencer. They see somebody just saying, you've got to have this latest fad. This is what you must have. You must drink this. This will make a big difference to your life. And as a result of that, the kids or whoever, or even adults, I've seen adults sort of clamoring for these drinks in the press and they're going wild over them. They're going crazy wild. I had a look on a eBay this morning just out of interest and some of the prices there are absolutely crazy I mean they really are crazy auctions for one bottle and they're sort of bidding 20 30 pounds for a bottle what that's crazy I'm not doing a rant here but I always feel like going to a rant <laughs> it is absolutely crazy how people just fall for this but then at the same time I don't find it that unusual And the reason I say that is because if you've been around property for any length of time, you only have to be on social media and see the various gurus and various people who peddle their various courses and training, goodness knows what else, as to the latest fad within property. I'm sorry if that upsets some people listening, especially if you run a course or two. Now, there are some great courses out there, and I am fully, I fully believe in education. 100%, I think you should educate yourself. You should find out about the strategy you're going into. I mean, after all, I, I do mentoring myself. At the moment, I'm not running a course or anything. But yeah, if I did, then I would promote that course. But I like to think I'm giving value. I like to think that I partake in sharing the knowledge that I've gained over the years and the mistakes I've made and everything else. And I like to think that. Now, some of the nonsense that is peddled out there under the label of property isn't. It is purely a commercial venture. Unfortunately, an awful lot of people who are new to property fall straight into these marketing traps. And they are marketing traps. I'm sorry. They are in business. These companies are in business. And these training bodies, they'll fill the room with 50, 100, 150 people, whatever it might be. And, you know, quite often at the front, there'll be these big banners saying, you can earn this, you can earn that, you can do this, you can do that. You can do that, but you're not going to do that overnight. You are not going to do that. Sure, get your knowledge, that's fine, but don't fall into the trap. I had a recent mentee of mine, no names, no Patrick, but they come off a three-day commercial conversion course. I spoke to them and they were with me for the day. I started talking about Class G. They hadn't covered Class G on this course, yet it is a prime candidate for commercial conversion it's not all about class ma which i'm sure you've heard of but there are plenty of other opportunities my fear is that a lot of these courses it's all headline stuff it's all fluff a lot of it is fluff yeah there'll be some great content in there but a lot of it is standing around networking and you have to honestly consider at the end of the day whether or not it's all worth it. So I'm trying not to waffle here, but what I'm trying to say here is the fact that you need to be careful of the hype. In the same way as these prime drinks, which I can go down to the local Walmart, to Publix, to any other supermarket that I'm local to here, 
and I can buy those prime drinks for perhaps a dollar, dollar fifty tops, something like that. So just over a pound each. And yet in the UK, they are selling for silly money, but it is hype. And at the end of the day, is it really going to make a difference to your life? And so with any course, with any training, with any mentorship, you have to decide whether it is going to make a difference to your life because it is not cheap. The chances are you are in a funnel and at the end of that funnel is something that is very expensive. And you have to decide as to whether or not that is going to make a difference to your life and to your business and to your future. If it is, great. Do it. Spend the money. Invest in yourself. If it's not, take a long, cold look at yourself and at the course or whatever it is training that's being offered and think, is it right for me? Is it worth it? I would rather turn people away than to take their money. Now, you may think, oh, you're just saying that, Ian. You're just saying that. I've actually had mentees come to me wanting mentoring and I've actually turned them away and said, no, this isn't right for you. You're not ready yet. This isn't this isn't right for you. You will be wasting your money because what I will teach you and educate you on, you're not at that stage yet. Come back or follow this or do this or you know, read this page I've written or read that site that someone else has written. It's not right for everybody. It isn't. And I don't want anybody to waste a single penny in the same way as I've seen all these people in the UK, you know, watching it on news, on a news feed that comes up in my Google feed, wherever, just wasting money on these prime drinks. Yeah. I mean, people have said, oh, bring them home. I can buy half of wherever town. And that's probably true to a degree. They are going for silly money, but don't waste money. Just tread carefully as far as anybody is flogging a course. You know, if I can help, then fine reach out. I give away an awful lot of information for free and I'm only too happy to do that. Yeah, I also charge and I charge quite a bit on a daily rate, but I'll only do that if I think it is right for you. And what I don't want to do is ever stand in front of 150, 200 people just flogging a course that I don't want to be part of because that's not me. Okay. So have a think about that. But if you need any guidance on anything or think it's a course I'm going on right for me, then please reach out. I know an awful lot of people. There are some great, great, great people around, uh, several of which I am a planning expert to, something that I don't really promote, but I am a planning expert to several mentors around the UK and beyond. You know, if you're ever unsure, ping me a message, say, oh, I'm thinking about doing this course. What, what do you think, Ian? Is it good for me? And I'll give you an honest answer. I really will. Just before we finish this episode... As I've always said on previous episodes, I always give the good, the bad and the ugly. And whilst it's very nice being here in Florida in the sun, as I said on my last episode, I am having to deal with some problems back home. It's on one of our developments where we actually had a blockage in a sewer. It actually hit the press. Yeah, it wasn't a particularly pleasant last few days. A lot of my time has been spent working, you know, very early hours of the morning, actually dealing with various people as to trying to get a solution to everything. Well, it does turn out the fact that it was a blockage that wasn't caused by our drainage. We've now had the drains fully scanned and no issues have been found whatsoever. That's good, but obviously there was still an issue for the residents and we need to get to the bottom of it. Now, one thing that has come out of it is apparently we may well have 
a plumbing issue in one or two of the apartments that we sold and there may well be a piece of plumbing probably a a no return valve i don't really understand plumbing if i'm honest and i'm not a plumber but it would seem that possibly there is a risk however small of waste going back into the water system if that is the case then we need to fix that so we are investigating that along with the original contractor to actually see as to what might have gone wrong there and just see whether or not we can actually fix that easily and quickly and obviously we will do that without cost to the residents because i suppose one of the mottos i've always had is would I be prepared to live in it myself? And that is always something that I've always said on anything I've converted, anything I've built, because if I'm not prepared to live in it, how can I expect anyone else to live in it? And even with this problem, I want to make sure that the residents are happy. I want to make sure that everything that should have been there is there. And if a small valve or something like that is missing, then the plumbers need to come back and resolve it, even if it is a very, very small risk of something happening. I would rather do that and make sure it is correct. So what I'm saying here again is be honest with your residents, be honest with the people who are living in your properties and try and help them. Even if they come up with all these various stories and we all know what the media can be like at times and they can paint you as the world's worst person. I'm certainly not the world's worst person. (laughs) They are far worse than me. But I will do my level best to help those. Things can get tough at times. And, you know, even this week, you know, even recording this podcast, posting on social media, whatever, you know, you can think, oh, do I have to do it? Is it worth doing it? Does anybody listen to it? And yeah, I know people do. We have well over four figures to most episodes. You know, I know people listen to this podcast and I'm very, very grateful for each and every one of you. So I will be honest. I will give you the good, the bad and the ugly. And it's not all a case of making money and sitting on the beach somewhere. And yes, I'm on holiday, but as I've already said, I don't have to explain how I pay for it, but I often pay for it. We're not spending money, as I said, at the top of the program. So whilst I'm away, I will keep working and I don't tend to switch off. I wish I could. My wife will probably tell you that I should be switching off at times and not uh, keep talking and working and everything else. But hey, I enjoy what I do. It isn't a job. It is a lifestyle. I enjoy working for people. I enjoy building homes. I enjoy creating a future for young people, old people, whoever. Whoever will buy our properties, I enjoy doing it. And I will continue doing that for as long as I humanly can. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Property on Fire. As I always say, if you've got anything that you want to ask me about, if you've got any questions anything on any property related doesn't be planning it can be anything property related then please do get in touch you can send me an email in at propertyonfire.co.uk the email address is in the show notes below uh, this episode or reach out to me on the various social media platforms um, you can easily get hold of me and i'll only be too happy to raise your subject whatever you want me to talk about i will raise it It may not be gurus, it may not be prime drinks, it may not be travel, it may not be Article 4s, it may not be planning. 
But whatever it is, I will do my level best to answer your questions. And if I don't know the answer, I will get somebody in to answer those questions for you. Once I'm back in the UK in probably about a week's time, then I'll be able to sort of get some guests in and it'll be a little bit easier for me to have those guests on the program. Um, But I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if I can help you in any way during 2023, then please do get in touch. So until next week, keep safe, have a fabulous week. And as I say at the start, come with me on this property journey. Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk.